In-depth analysis from former Wisconsin athletes, Gosser, Bruzowitz, Butch. This is the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. I am your host, Zach Heilprin. Going to be getting into uh, all our chats here with our former Badgers, Mike Bruzewitz and Josh Gosser, and our new Badger of the Roundtable this year, Brian Butch. We'll get to all of them, but I wanted to start first. Uh, we talked with Jim Polzine from the Wisconsin State Journal, get his take on uh, the Badgers so far this year as they sit at 9-6. and six. So we'll start uh, with Jim Polzine from the Wisconsin State Journal. Jim, Wisconsin with four minutes left in the game on Wednesday night. Seemed like they were in, uh, not control, it was a seven-point game, but it felt like uh, they were going to find a way to win that one and get to five straight and everything was going to be great. And then those last four minutes happened and uh, not everything was great. What went wrong in those final four minutes? Well, I thought a lot went wrong. I mean, I think everybody wants to focus on the last possession, but there were some possessions earlier that that, uh, were problematic. I mean, starting with, there was one early on where Micah Potter took what I thought was an ill-advised shot. missed it and it led to a three and transition on the other end. So suddenly, you know, you're up seven, you have a chance to go up nine or more and it, instead you're it turns into a four point game. So there were there were you know, going back throughout the game when I watched this morning, I thought there were a lot of um they gave up too many baskets to transition. Like bad offense at times led to transition baskets for Illinois. And then I thought there was some defensive breakdowns down the stretch too. Um, you know, people want to focus on offense. I get that, but I actually thought, for the most part, you know, offensively they played well. They were pretty efficient throughout the game, um, but this was one of their worst defensive games in terms of efficiency. And you know, there are a lot of reasons for that. Yeah, no, there there definitely are. Looking past this game, just what does it do? I guess to your opinion of this team. I mean, you win four straight. You go and beat the number five team in the country on the road, and then you come home and lose this one. And, I, and Illinois is. A solid team. I think they're you know a good team. There's a lot of good teams in the Big Ten. But what does this do to your opinion of Wisconsin? Does it change it at all, or is it just one game? And you, I, we're so prisoner of the moment with college basketball. Yeah. You know, one game changes everything. But just in your in your mind, does it change anything for you? Not really. And the Ohio State, the win over Ohio State didn't either. You know, I didn't walk away from that thinking, oh, this is a you know this is a Big Ten title contender. And I'm not don't walk away from last night's game thinking, oh, this is not even an NCAA tournament team. I just think there's going to be, you know, the scary part is there's 16 Big Ten games remaining for the Badgers, and I think the majority of them are going to be just like last night in terms of down to the wire. I just I think their their margin for error is pretty slim. There's going to be a lot of close games, and you're going to have to make plays down the stretch. Um, they did at Ohio State. They did not against Illinois. And credit to Illinois, too. I mean, I thought Illinois made some, some fantastic plays, especially – the sun move. I thought he took over and not only created with his shot, but his passing created shots for others. So that's all it takes in close games is, is one guy kind of taking over and making big plays. And Wisconsin just didn't have that last night. I mean, I think they could easily go into Penn State and win. It wouldn't shock me at all. I just think, like I said, it's a pretty good team. It's, it's going to be a pretty tight margin for error, though, all season. And if you clean some things up, you give yourselves a chance. But, you know, strap yourself in because it's, I think it's going to be like this for the next two months. And it feels like that's going to be the case in the Big Ten all around, right? I mean, every yeah. every game, it feels like any team can win. I mean, obviously, even Northwestern, who's 0-4, and, and Indiana, I don't know how good Indiana is, but they went took them almost to the wire on Wednesday night as well. But 
I wanted to you, you mentioned Micah Potter and, and the shot that you're talking about. Yeah, it was like a fade. It was he like faded away uh, when the guy he was guarding yep. had four fouls. Yeah, that yep. th- that was uh, a bit poor. But I overall, it's five games in. You know, four and one, and he hasn't had a role in all those games, but he certainly did against Illinois. What would you be your overwhelming uh, take or overarching take on what he's brought to Wisconsin to this point? Yeah, I mean, I think the the, the overall thing that he's brought is just his presence has allowed them to play reverse some more manageable minutes. Well, I think given just before before you go on, can you imagine yeah. them not having him against Illinois and Reavers getting in foul trouble and having to play lean forward against uh, Kofi or uh, Georgie? Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, especially especially <laughs> like, because then you know, let, let's say you do bring Ford to play the five, and and if Kofi and Georgie don't get in foul trouble, then not only are you bringing Ford up to play the five, but you got to bring someone up to play Georgie at the four. Um, it could have been, you know, it could have been a huge disaster. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, so back to my point, like that—that's—that's that's, his presence gives you the chance to, you know, bring Potter off the bench and and give Reavers some some rest. And I think it allows Reavers to play a little differently. I think he was a little tentative at times early in the season because he didn't want to get in foul trouble. He knew how valuable he was on the floor, and he couldn't be aggressive. And now he can take a chance. I and mean, he got himself in foul trouble last night. I think that was. I don't think he was being reckless. I think he was just up against a seven foot, two hundred ninety pound guy that was really hard to defend, and you're battling for position. Um, so, and the other, the other factor with Potter, I, I think last night we saw a little bit more of a guy who had his feet under him and was getting more comfortable, um, you know, willing to, you know, kind of be more confident in his role. And I think I think that'll just continue to grow. I think defensively, once he gets more wraps under his belt with guys around him, that you know, that synergy and chemistry will grow in that end of the court too, because um, he has had a couple of issues. You know, defensively, where he's just not in the right spot, or his, his rotations are off, or you know, he plays the uh, pick and roll um, poorly. But I think that's going to get better in time once he gets more reps. Yeah. Again, talking with Jim Polzine from the Wisconsin State Journal here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. You asked this question of Greg Gard after the game in terms of Kobe King not getting the ball or not going out. Uh, being so, I guess, involved early in that second half against Illinois, and then kind of fading away and not really having a role outside of. You know the dunk, and then the um, the step back three in the final minute. Do you think he has it in him to take over? Do you think he has it in him to say, "Hey, give me the ball. I need the ball right now." Or is that just not something he's prepared or ready to do? Or is that something that Wisconsin's not ready to do for him? That's a good question. And I asked, I legitimately asked that last night to guard because I didn't know. Like I didn't, I didn't. You're watching the game. I'm on a tight deadline, and, and it's, it's hard to sit there and evaluate possession by possession. Um, so I didn't know. I mean, was it was it him not being assertive enough? Was it guys not getting the ball? Um, was it the way Illinois defended? I, I think there's probably all three. After watching it again, I think there was probably all three things were a factor. They put Cooper Nichols on a little bit bigger defender, so that you know that took away his ability to post up a little bit. I didn't think he was passive at all, um, and I didn't necessarily think they went away from him. I, I, yeah, he got a lot of touches on all the positions. Um, just didn't get the you know. Didn't, didn't get the touches in the right spot, and, and I think some of that has to do with what Illinois was doing. You know, and we, and we can go through possession by possession. We talked about the Potter one. Um, you know, there's others like that where, the, you know, you look at it and it's, maybe it's the wrong person shooting the ball, and yet, you know, Ford had two wide-open looks that they'll take any day, right? Yeah. Um, Reavers had a, an open three. He had a putback chance. You know, if any of those go down, you're looking at a completely different outcome a three and one big ten record um a winning streak that's still alive so it's you know 
it's nitpicking a little bit, but it's, you know, bottom line is this is a win that you want to hold serve at home, and and they didn't do that. Um, you need to do that in this league uh, to to have a chance, and and you know they were unable to follow up the win at Ohio State with a home win. Yeah, uh, certainly not ideal for them. Now they go on the road to Penn State. Is this as uh, you know from the top to bottom? Is this as balanced as the Big Ten? You know, you've been covering it for quite some time. Is this as balanced as as it's been? Where you have Michigan State obviously at four and zero, but then Rutgers is three and one, and uh, right. Illinois is three and two, and at the bottom you have Iowa one and three, and Ohio State one and three. Is this is like top to bottom as balanced as it's been? I think so. Yeah, because I just remember it being this deep, where you know twelve teams are in the top fifty, fifty five, and that. Um, and like you said, you know, Nebraska's no gimme. Iowa lost. Nebraska, Northwestern beat Iowa or Indiana. Tough game at home. Um, it's just you know, and the, and the the added factor is the twenty game league schedule just makes it that much more of a grind. So it comes down to kind of when you play teams and how they are playing when you play them is, is so much of it. Who you get at home and, and and don't get at home, I think will play a role. Um, you know, the thing I was talking, Oti and I were walking over car last cars last night, and the thing that stands out about this is you lose the game to Illinois, and all of a sudden. Suddenly, a losing streak is possible. I mean, you got to go to Penn State. Maryland comes in here. You got to go to Michigan State, and then it's bam, 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 bam. Like that's why last night would have been so important to get that one because I'm not sure the team is, is capable of putting together a long winning streak, but you could certainly see them losing three, four in a row at some point just because they are so inconsistent. So that's why if you've got a chance, you know, if you're up seven or four plus minutes to go at home, man, you gotta you gotta win that game. Um, and I'll see you, you know. You run into the risk of a losing streak because you're just going to keep playing difficult game after difficult game. What's the number at the end of the year that they got to get to in your mind to to be in legitimate, I guess, tournament consideration? Is it is it 18? Is it 19? And then have to, you know, I'm talking about regular season, and then obviously yeah. potentially having to, you know, get into the Big Ten tournament with a game or two. I was thinking 18 at the end of the regular season would put them in a pretty good position, but even that, you know, the more I look at it, that's, you know, that's whole Big Ten wins, which A, is hard to get to, I think. Um, but also, you know, 18, and then let's say you go and lose your first Big Ten tournament game. 18 and 14 is, is I think, leaves you right on the edge. And so much of it comes down to, you know, I think 18 and 14 is going to lose them with a pretty good net ranking, but it's not so much what your net ranking is, it's how you did against um, others in in you know quadrant one and quadrant two and right now I think the last I looked was four and six quadrant one and quadrant two combined um, and that's probably not going to cut it uh, you look at teams that missed out last year with the you know Texas and NC State um, those teams all had some pretty good quadrant one and quadrant two wins but they also had sub five hundred records in those categories and so you know Wisconsin I think probably could have felt pretty good after the Ohio State game that they were in a good position but. I mean, they are teetering around the edge of the bubble, with, and there's so much time to go. So a lot of work to be done yet, I think. And, um, you know, it, if they're at nine wins right now and you're talking about getting to 18 for the end of the regular season, that's, you know, that's nine wins. Uh, it's no easy task. No, nine, what is that? Would they be nine and seven? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's – and you look at their – like I said, getting through January um, and, and reevaluating, I think, is kind of the way to go with this because yeah. – you look at the schedule, and it's just brutal um, the rest of this month. Yeah. We'll see how it plays out. Obviously, missed opportunity against Illinois. They get another opportunity to uh, to try and get back on the right path against Penn State on Saturday. Jim, thank you very much. 
My pleasure. All right, there he is, Jim Polzine from the Wisconsin State Journal. We'll be back here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. And now back to the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. A McDonald's All-American, All-Big Ten First Team, and Big Ten Champion. We hear from Brian Butch. Now here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. And we do bring in Brian Butch here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. Brian, how's it going? Doing good, doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh now, this is the first time you've been on the show, uh, but uh, you're doing a lot of different stuff since you played uh, for the Badgers and uh, obviously played professionally for quite some time, but what have you been up to of late? Yeah, I was able to play professionally for 10 years. The uh, last couple of years I was coaching with the Wisconsin Herd, uh, and now the last uh, couple of months here I've been working for the Big Ten Network. So I've had a chance to uh, stay around the game, that's for sure, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a junkie. I do a morning radio show in the uh, Appleton Green Bay area as well, and just kind of stay busy with it. Um, you know, the Big Ten Network has been great to work with them. Uh, been able to stay around the game, really dive into the college game again, which is nice. Um, completely different from the professional game as far as ways are, are done. And um, I shouldn't say completely different, but <laughs> different a little bit. But it's it's been fun to get kind of back to the Big Ten roots, that's for sure. Working for the – is this something you've always wanted to do, get, in, get into media, or was it something you just kind of fell into after your professional career? Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that I've had on the radar a little bit, uh, a way to be involved with the game without sleepless nights. Um, <laughs> right. But after the last couple of years of coaching the G League and realizing as as much as I enjoyed the process of putting together scouting reports and making sure that guys were prepared, game nights were, were tough for me because uh, it was just everything that we did to prepare, I, I couldn't physically go out there and perform you know you draw up a right play but a guy does something wrong and, and you teach and you talk and you do all those things and um it was it was tough to sleep at night for me a, a lot of times and i just kind of one of those things where i realized okay is, is this the direction i want to head down uh is it not this way with the with the you know the big 10 side of it i still do the same scouting reports for every team that, that i go and talk about i make sure i'm informed i watch you know, three to five games back and, and kind of get a really good feel of what they're doing right now. Uh, so I feel like I get that part of it with the, with the uh, broadcasting side of it. And then, uh, you know, but I don't, I don't lose sleep at night. Right. Uh, so it's, it's been good. It's been good. Obviously, because of your experience with the, with the Big Ten already this year, I wanted to talk about the conference first before we get into what we saw from the Badgers against Illinois and, and really what we've seen for the Badgers so far this year. And the Big Ten, would you say right now, and I mean, you, you look at the net rankings, you look at all the metrics and all that stuff, it says the Big Ten is the best conference in the country based on all that stuff. Would you agree right now that the, the conference is the best? Yeah, I would say it's pretty close. Uh, I'd say right now it kind of comes down between the Big Ten and the Big East, and I would lean towards the Big Ten. I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, that's a homer call uh, <laughs> to, to say that, but I do. I think the quality of the teams – uh, you look at a couple nights ago, Nebraska, you know, they get a quality home win. You just, against Iowa, you, you just, you cannot take it for granted. Uh, uh, Northwestern almost beat Illinois or Indiana at Indiana last night. So there's always that going on. And you've got to make sure that you're prepared for that every single night. So I think that's why the Big Ten gets that. I think it's the top to bottom. 
the best team. And then I think that the, the top teams are just better than the top teams in the Big East. And you look at the, the top of the conference right now, it's Michigan State that's 4-0. Uh, there's Michigan that was in the top five in, in the country at one point. They're 1-3 in the conference. Ohio State, they were number five when Wisconsin beat them. They're now 1-3 in the conference. Iowa's 1-3. Rutgers is 3-1. and one. What is the biggest surprise so far? I st- we're still early, obviously, only four games into the conference season. What's the biggest surprise for you so far? Well, I'm going to be on the call next week for Rutgers in Indiana, and I think the biggest surprise right now is the way that Rutgers has played. Uh, you know, they get a really good win against Penn State. Now it was at home, and we know how good uh, when you're at home the, the advantage you have as a Big Ten team. I believe there's 26 games, um, or 27 now games after last night's Wisconsin game, and 23 wins and four losses if you've been at home. So it's a pretty good, pretty good clip right there. But I would just say the way Rutgers has played, you know, they get a good win against Wisconsin and good, get a, a good win against Penn State. So um, that would be kind of the biggest surprise in the Big Ten for me. Uh, it, they've done it on the defensive end, uh, but what they've been able to do in the paint has been phenomenal. They've, you know, great at offense rebounding, great, you know, on some low um, block touches. And then just the way that they've been able to get into the paint, that's been the most surprising. Again, talk with Brian Butch, former Badger, here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. So you, you talk about Rutgers at 3-1. and one. Obviously, Maryland's up there. Michigan State's up there. And I know it's early, but I'm going to ask you anyways, who is your favorite to win this? Uh, is it Obviously, is it Michigan State at this point? Yeah, well, it is Michigan State. Their schedule to start, though, has been so... Don't, I'm, I'm hesitant to use the word easy because I don't think that's the right word. Right. But they've, it's, been, it's been home schedules, and then they start the road, or they start on the road against Northwestern. Like, so that's, you know, that's where you look at it and say, who have they played yet? Sure. And, and who, where have they gone and played? They went through some struggles. And I think when you look at it, obviously they've had some injuries. Uh, and then you obviously have the situation with Cassius Winston. And what has that done to the team? Uh, I don't want to use that in terms of basketball. But we're talking about Michigan State as a, as a team, and then you know you add that dynamic of your star player losing his brother, it changes the dynamic of the team. It, you know they come together, they grow, they learn, they have the ups, they have the downs of how to deal with that. And I think we saw that a little bit early on, and I think it, it tightened that group a little bit. So I think that to me, with with the injuries and with the you know situation with Cash's brother. Um, and then having a little bit of an earlier, easier schedule than most Big Ten teams. That's why they look so good right now. I don't think they're going to look as good as they do now, but I do still think that they probably win the Big Ten. Of the teams that uh, maybe aren't playing at a high level right now, which ones are you expecting to maybe get a, uh, to turn it around here? I, mean, I mentioned Michigan. I mentioned Ohio State, two teams that were you know, pretty high up in the rankings at one point or you know, at, earlier this year. Which one of those uh, teams that are really struggling right now do you, do you expect to be in the mix come, what, March? Yeah, you know, I think it's Ohio State. Um, I had a chance, again, to call one of their games as well. They're really, really talented, but they're trying to figure out where their offense is going to come from. They're in a huge offensive lull right now, trying to figure out, are they going to go through Caleb Weston? Is it going to be the freshman DJ Carton that's going to you know, do some things? He struggled the last couple of games. He had Maryland game last, uh, last week, or uh, excuse me, on Tuesday. Uh, he finally started to get it going a little bit, but against West Virginia, he had three, uh, zero, or I think three points against Wisconsin. He had zero points. You know, where is that other guy going to be? And they've been such a good three-point shooting team. They're ninth in the country in field goal or three-point percentage, but they've relied on that too much. 
sometimes when you have and you start the season off early by making a whole bunch of threes, you rely on that and you realize, oh, that's what we do. And anytime you get trigger happy from the three point land and forget about what you're gonna, you know, what you need to do and what you need to and what needs to be your go to, that's very very tough. And especially in the Big Ten, you have to start in the paint and you've got to be able to get baskets and easy baskets. And I think Ohio State's trying to figure that out. The other team that I'm gonna bring up here is one that you didn't mention, and it's just because of what Matt Painter has done. Purdue has struggled here on the offensive end. They have struggled to score the basketball. But with the way that Matt Painter coaches and the development of his players, I would be shocked if we don't see Purdue playing better basketball down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, what they have, 36 points against Illinois? Uh, a couple, yeah. time, couple, years, yep. couple games back? Yeah, so, well... Um, Obviously, they are nine and six and two and two in the conference. There's another team that's nine and six and two and two in the conference. I would not have said, was not a bit expecting to say nine and six for this team. Uh, about four minutes left in Wednesday night's game against Illinois, but Wisconsin, they're nine and six, uh, had one four straight before losing to Illinois, seventy-one to seventy on Wednesday night. And gosh, where did it go wrong for them down the stretch? I mean, they were two of ten from the field uh, in the final four minutes, and they just couldn't get any stops. I mean. I, the, Maybe I'm telling you what, uh, what went wrong, but I'll ask you what, what went wrong for them down the stretch against Illinois to, to kind of cough that one up. You know, the normal fans, they want to look at, oh, well, it's the last play, it's the drive-by trice, what is he doing? There's a defender there, and he's trying to force a shot. Why don't you get the ball to Kobe King? And that's what the normal fan talks about. <clears throat> Excuse me. But what I want to focus on defensively, they gave up 43 second-half points. Yep. You can't do that. You look at how – you look at the games – that they've played really, really well in. Uh, they've defended. Tennessee, they defended. Ohio State, they defended. I think they got away from that. And obviously, Illinois, they made some threes. That wasn't a strength of theirs uh, coming into the game. But they've had, they have players. Uh, you know, they have guys, if you look at it, Frazier makes a big three. Uh, Io makes a you know, couple of great plays. He's an NBA player. Those guys are going to make plays. But when you keep it tight, and instead of extending that lead early on, and you keep it close, it's going to come down to who makes plays one way or the other. And I think that, to me, was the big thing on the defensive end. You know, Dimitri comes off the corner on, on Frazier. You can't come off on the corner. You know that. Even though, you got, even though he was there on the closeout, it's a second late. And the second late in Big Ten play results in either a win or a loss. You know, I think, obviously, I, I like the way that Kobe King has started to play. I like, you know, what Nate Reavers has done. Again, who is going to be that guy in crunch time? You know, everyone, from from my opinion, oh, get Kobe the ball. He's playing well. Well, at some point, Kobe's got to go get the ball too. Yeah, and you got to know when it's crunch time and when you got to get a basket and when you don't. There was a long chunk there where Kobe wasn't around the basketball, and I think that's the learning curve. We've seen Kobe play a lot better in Big Ten games. I believe he scored double figures in every Big Ten game, and that's the progression that I think a lot of people, and myself included, thought he was going to take this year. Now develop that killer instinct realize hey it's been seven minutes since i've gotten a bucket i've got to either create a bucket by getting the ball off a dribble you know or go get an offensive rebound use my athleticism that's the next step now for kobe king and and if kobe takes that next step the badgers take that next step i think a lot of us around here have talked about they don't have the guy you know, last year, like you had Ethan, and you know he was your guy. Right now, I, who is their guy down the stretch? You mentioned Kobe. Like he is he the guy, or is it is it Reavers, or is it somebody else? Because last night they needed a bucket late, and uh, they could not find the guy to go get with them one. 
Is that I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree a little bit with you. I don't think they've had a guy for the last two years. Okay. Because you weren't going to give the ball to you. No, of course. Late in with, the game. Yeah, with the you free throws. I mean? Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Free throws and just, hey, listen, it's got to be a guard. It has to be. And yeah. the big, do you know how hard that is for me to say? <laughs> it's, it's tremendously hard for me to say that. Yeah. But, it, but when you look at it, it's got to be a guard. And to me, it's Demetri Christ. I think his, and just being consistent, I think he's got to be the guy that's got to take over. Now, does Kobe have that in him? I think so. And, you know, Demetric and, and Brad, those guys have had the opportunity to do that uh, for about a year and a half. And we've kind of seen that roller coaster of up and down and up and down. And, you know, this offense um, does a good job of getting everybody involved and giving opportunities. Uh, but when you look at that, for me, you know, it's the growth, it's the development of Kobe. Can he know when to attack in those types of situations because I still don't think you're going to put Kobe on the top of a ball screen action yet. Yeah. I don't think that's his strength. He's got to be on the wing and he can, you know, jab middle drive that you saw, you know, that dunk he had um, against Illinois. It was a simple jab that got the defender to shift just a little bit with his hips and his weight. As soon as Kobe saw that, he read it and he had a wide open baseline dunk. But I don't think Kobe in pick and roll action is what you want in the game situations either the guy that you've got to put in that pick-and-roll situation is Demetri Trice. And I think that's where you've got to see him make better decisions. Now, I'll go into the game situation against Illinois. If you look at the, that end of game, the spacing on it is all messed up. You've yeah. got Nate Reavers is standing right next to Brad Davidson, and Brevin Prince will sit on the block, the block that Demetri is, is driving towards. So situationally there – they were all messed up. And, you know, everyone wants to say, oh, Dimitri, that wasn't a great shot. It probably wasn't. But I, re-watching the film this morning, I didn't know where it was going to go. Uh, and the problem is just being a little bit tinier, that step back, you know, the step back that he tries to get to a lot, that probably would have been blocked. So that was what they had to finish with. And, and I think that's a great teaching point coming down the stretch here. What are they going to get in those late situations? And if you're going to run it, you got to make sure all five are on the same page. Yeah, no doubt. They needed it. Would have been nice to have a timeout in that situation. Um, yes. You know, and obviously the Wisconsin did not. So, but again, they got the guy they wanted on the line. Georgie misses. They get a shot, but probably wanted a little bit better shot. But as you mentioned before, and Greg said after, Greg Gard said after the game, the problem was not on the offensive end, it was on the defensive end. And if they're going to get themselves righted, I guess, again and, and get a win at Penn State, I think it's going to have to come on the defensive end more so than the offensive end. Brian, thank you very much. Uh, we're going to be doing this every week till the end of the uh, season, and uh, do appreciate you jumping on with us. No, I'm looking forward to it. Excited always to talk Wisconsin basketball. I think the future's bright. They'll have a great one here against Penn State. Penn State's really good, so we'll, we'll have a great game, no doubt about it. And now, back to the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. From back-to-back Final Four appearances and named three times to the Big Ten's all-defensive team, we hear from guard Josh Gusser. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. And we do bring in poor Badger Josh Gosser here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. Josh, uh, Wisconsin, now 9-6 on the year. We'll get to them in a little bit, but I wanted to catch up with you a little bit since we had a chance to talk back in March. Big year for you. Got married. What else is going on with you? Yeah, it's been a crazy year. Got, uh, you know, been the last year, bought a house, got married, 
Um, you know, my wife got a new job up in Madison, so we're officially full-time in Madison. Uh, so <laughs> a lot of life changes, but all good stuff and a lot of fun with, with friends. I had 17 wedding weekends, so it was <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of partying with, with friends and family, which is... Uh, Keeping me young. It's been fun. You're about that, yeah, I mean, you're about that age where everyone starts getting married. Uh, how many more friends can you have get married? I, don't, I feel like uh, every single guy you played with is married now. <laughs> no, I know. It's crazy, but, uh, you know, my, my wife was just talking about, like, well, finally, you know, we had 11 weddings the past two summers, so like, it's going to start slowing down, and we calculated that we still have uh, seven or eight next summer. <laughs> so it's not slowing down yet, hopefully within the next year or two, because it's obviously a lot on the the bank account and the body to sustain that, but it's, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, when you go to is obviously you get to see former teammates when you go to weddings. Uh, do you get to see them outside of that at all? Do you still have a chance to hang out with the guys that you played with, or are they all over the place now? Yeah, you know it's challenging, and unfortunately, um, you know that the, the weddings are kind of the only time in the past year or two, we've been able to really get together just because, you know, guys are, you know, sporadically throughout the country and doing, doing their own things and life happens. Um, but we don't have any Wisconsin weddings next summer. All mine are, are high school or family. So we're going to start to try to, you know, plan more stuff to get together. You know, I, I moved back to Madison two years ago and I know the like Zach Showalter still there, Ben Bross, um, a couple, a couple buddies. So we, we get together pretty often as much as we can. But as you know, you know, life's kind of, that was the best part about being in college and being young. You know, just with your friends all the time. That's all you did. And now, a lot more effort to get together. You know, just crazy schedules for everyone. But that's, we still talk all the time and still, you know, best friends today. Yeah. Well, can you do like a five-year reunion for your Big Ten championship I, and Final Four team? Uh, I know. I thought about that, but <laughs> a lot of the guys are, you know, Sam's overseas, Nigel's overseas, Bronson's still playing, Frank's in the NBA. Like a lot of guys are just everywhere, and during the season, it's kind of tough. Yeah. So might have to be a tenure thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, again, talking with Josh Gosser here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. All right, let's 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 get into the Badgers. Uh, with about four minutes left uh, in the game on Wednesday night, I was expecting to have a, a lot to talk about in terms of a five-game winning streak. They've turned the corner. They're getting back on track. And then the last four minutes of that game happened. How disappointing was it to see how they finished? Well, it, it was. It was disappointing. And you know, when you're at home, especially, you know, the game you just got to close out. You got to find a way to close it out on your home court against, uh, you know, Illinois is a nice team, but they're not a, you know, bona fide, you know, stubbly team or anything. So it's just a game you got to find a way to win. And, you know, that's kind of been our challenge is just consistency. And, and down the stretch of the games, it's kind of like, who do you go to? You know, you don't have that one guy that you can really put the ball in their hands to, to make a play or to, you know, keep possession of the ball, knock down free throws, whatever it is. So that's kind of been our struggle right now is who's going to be that guy? Who's going to step up? And it's it's been someone kind of different every game. But, you know, as a player, you just have to have someone you can rely on in those late shot clock, late game moments who, you know, everyone knows he's getting the ball and he's and what we're going to do and we're going to find a way to get it done. Now, obviously, uh, there, there are a couple of things there at the end of the game. And I want to talk about – we'll talk about – because you brought up who's the guy at the end – Bring up that last play with Demetrius Trice and, and getting to uh, you know getting to his left and, and pulling up not not pulling up trying to get the layup trying to get some contact because they were in the bonus yep. trying to get to the free throw line is that the right play there Gregard did not seem to think it was the right right uh, choice there but instead maybe a pull up instead probably yeah I, I would agree it's just not it's just not Mika's game his game isn't 
and has never been getting to the rim and finishing. It's something he's working on, and obviously he needs to get better at and has been working at it. But, you know, Illinois has got some big dudes down there. And with your left hand driving a runner high off the glass, that's just it's a low percentage play. So especially when we're in the double bonus, you know, you know, a jump shot or trying to draw contact in different ways, probably a better option. But, but again, that's just part of a, a team that's still kind of trying to figure themselves out and, and learning along the road. But it, it shouldn't even come down to that point. You know, you right. got a seven-point lead late in the game. It, it, I think they had 14 points in their final seven possessions. So that's, you know, two points every single possession at the end of the game that they're getting. So there's a lot of things we could have done differently, and it just – um, it's frustrating because you thought they were kind of turning the corner. You're, they finally got some confidence and momentum and, and started to, to believe in themselves. And, and something like that can really make it kind of flip the switch back again. Is it easier, though, just to maybe – obviously the, the way that they played down the stretch wasn't ideal, but the issues, at least you know, game-wise in the second half, were defensively. I mean, I, offensively, right. they were good enough to win. Defensively, they weren't, and they had been so good all year. I feel like that's an easier fix than perhaps some of the struggles they had earlier in the year where they were playing solid defense but couldn't get anything going offensively. This in my this this time around, it was giving up 43 points. You know, I think they're well over one point per possession giving up, which is obviously the standard is one for Wisconsin, and it was well over that for um, Illinois in the second half. Is it easier to, to turn things around, though, because you know – you have that in your game. You can stop teams defensively. Yeah, I would agree with that, but it's still frustrating yeah. that it keeps going back and forth. Sure. You know, it's like, well, one game where we go offensively and we're bad. So it's just, we got to find an identity. There's not an identity that we can rely on. You know, even last year, as much as, you know, the team, you know, kind of was up and down, we still had the identity that we were, you know, a ground and pound team. We were going to just feed the post with Ethan and Khalil and, and we were big, rebound, you know, those type of things. And when we needed a bucket, we're going to get it to Ethan. You know, I don't know what we are right now, and I don't know if the players do either, and that's kind of the challenging part. But but certainly it was good to see us play better offensively. And even if you just look at the stats from the Illinois game, I mean, they shot a really high percentage. They, from three, from from two, they shot the ball really well. And, you know, most games that probably won't happen. And when you lose by one, you know, it's it's tough to look at it that way. But Certainly, it's nice to see us perform better offensively. Yeah. You mentioned not having that guy. Is that going to be the thing that comes back to haunt this team at some point? I mean, did it last night or did it on Wednesday night? Did the fact that they don't have the guy to go to when they need a bucket? Yeah, I think so. It's not even, you know, it's more of guys knowing who the guy is. Even for us, you know, looking back at my junior year, the first year, we made the tournament. You know, Frank Kaminsky wasn't Frank Kaminsky quite yet. Yeah. Uh, Sam wasn't quite Sam yet. It was almost like Trayvon Jackson was, was almost our guy that we were going to get the ball to at the end of the games, even though he wasn't maybe our most talented player or, you know, leading scorer. He, we knew he was kind of the, the closer, the guy who was going to, you know, fearless guy at the end of the shot clock and at the end of the games that uh, was going to make a play. And then we had some other guys who could as well. Um, so it's just figuring out who guys trust and who, Instead of you know fighting over it or some guys being scared of it, you know just having a guy who can come through in those moments and it's tough. It's something you got to learn and go through. It's nice that we have good balance, you know that we have a bunch of guys in that you know six to twelve points a game type range. Um, but at some point, you know someone's going to have to step up as a leader and just be fearless in those moments. 
again, talking with Josh Gosser here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. And, you know, Kobe King has continued to impress, especially in Big Ten plays, averaging 19 points a game. What have you seen from him, you know, just in taking a step from last year to this year of being, you know, more aggressive offensively? I thought especially he hunted a shot early in the second half yesterday, kind of disappeared then and then late had a couple of plays. But what have you seen from him in taking that jump from last year to this year? Yeah, I think first first off is his health. You know, you could tell he's healthier, feeling better, and and that, and that just immediately stems confidence. And so he's feeling healthier, feeling more confident in his body and his abilities, which is good. But I, I still like to see him be more aggressive. You know, he's I think we would all agree probably our most talented offensive weapon yeah. creator. You know, he's got that game. He's kind of an old school type guy. You know, he the past couple of games, if you look at his stats, you know, he's probably he's done like six of eight from the field, but only twelve points. So it's like usually when you make six field goals, you're going to have well, well over 12 points just with threes and free throws included. But he's kind of the, the mid-range guy. So I still hate to see him find a way to get to the free throw line a little more and continue to develop that three-point shot just to, you know, because that's just what basketball is now. So just getting the free throw line, making the defense more uncomfortable, getting guys to follow trouble. But I, I love Kobe. I love his game. And he's going to continue to grow and get better, you know, I think game by game. By game. So, obviously, um, Wisconsin has a new assistant coach in, in Alondo Tucker, replacing Howard Moore in, in the toughest of circumstances. And the Big Ten uh, Network did their journey program. They did a special on Howard Moore and the tragedy that struck his family in May. And you were a part of that. And I guess I'd just like to get your take on how that played out and, and really how you feel Wisconsin has managed that and what you know Howard Moore has meant to you. Yeah, it's a tough question to answer. Obviously, it's just a, a tragic moment. Uh, you know, Howard Moore is just—he is what you want in a human being. He is just a great man, great family man, uh, faith-filled. He's—he's—he's he's, he's what it's all about. You know, he—he's a basketball coach, but he's so much more to that than all his players. And I never even played under him. He was never uh, a coach at Wisconsin when I was there, but I still consider him—you know—a coach and a brother and a a father figure just because of the impact he had on me in the recruiting process and how close he was to our program all throughout. And I think that's rare and kind of speaks uh, volumes of, of who he was and how much Wisconsin meant to him. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I had, I had the opportunity to go over to his house and, and see him um, in between the accident and the setback. And it was one of the most powerful um, days of my life. You know, I went over there thinking that I was going to, be able to support him and and just you know show my love for him and it was the opposite he taught me so much in that hour he you know inspired me which i thought it would be the opposite me you know giving him you know some you know what i mean it's yeah. it, he, he was just so positive in in unthinkable moment he it was really just unbelievable how he was more worried about all those around him you know his other family members his team um, how I was doing, um, like you know, let's talk about you. You know, <laughs> it was just a, a really inspiring moment and something that I'm going to remember the rest of my life. And I, he's going to continue to get better and, and fight through this battle and uh, hope hope for the best. Yeah, and he's as genuine of a guy as you could uh, hope to be around. And it like sometimes you, yeah, it's real, it's yeah, real, yeah. And, and sometimes that's not always the case. You know, some you know, especially in this business, and you know know that better than I do. You know, coaches 
are not always genuine in, in what they say and what they feel and what they tell you, but I feel like his players and the people that, and even guys that didn't play for him like you have said can't say a bad word about him. You know, he's just as as genuine and real as as uh, any coach in the college game is. Yeah, no, it's such a fast paced business. You're always turning over players. Always got to be recruiting. Always got to be focusing on the next game. And he finds a way to just keep that brotherhood and family mantra with with the current team and, and all alumni. I mean, his he was so active in getting guys together and just talking about the past, talking about your life. It was never about basketball. You know, he he wanted to talk hoop. You know, when I when I went over there, one of the first things he wanted to talk about was was basketball and just things that were going on. And um, but it was just. You know, he didn't know what to say when he walked in there. He didn't know what it was going to be like. And he he just opened up right away and just told us everything. And yeah. it was a very strong thing to be able to do within, you know, days and weeks after that happening, to have that strength um, to be able to, to continue to talk through it. And it was just, uh, you know, something I remember forever. Yeah, everyone's thoughts are, are with him and his family as they tried to recover from a tragedy that took uh, his wife and his daughter. Uh, Josh, Thank you very much. Uh, we'll we'll catch up next week, uh, and we'll see if the Badgers can bounce back as they take on Penn State and then uh, face Maryland. Sounds good. Talk soon. All right, there he is, Josh Gosh, former Badger. More coming up here on the Wisconsin Basketball Round. And now back to the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. No stranger to the NCAA tournament and rebound machine. Forward Mike Buzowitz. Now here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. We do bring in former Badger Mike Bruzewitz here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. Mike, good to talk to you again. Been a, been a while, obviously, since uh, last March, since the season ended uh, last uh, winter, and now Wisconsin nine and six and two and two in conference play. And we'll we'll get into them in a little bit. But I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, what you've been up to. Obviously, you're p- still playing overseas, but uh, you've had a little bit of a change of what change of address the scenery lately. Yeah, the scenery, a change of life, a change of situation. Yeah, it's uh, it's not that uncommon in this uh, job that I currently hold. So uh, to start the season, I signed for a team in Greece. Um, after last year, I played. I started my season last year in Lithuania, and then obviously moved to Siberia uh, in a city called Krasnoyarsk. Finished up there, and then this past year, signed in Greece. Um, to, I actually lived on the island of Rhodes, which was beautiful. Um, it was super cool. Um, and enjoyed life on the island for sure. Uh, unfortunately, the coach and I didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things, and um, I ended up getting fired or cut from my team there. And I signed about three and a half, uh, three and a half weeks ago, um, with a team back in Lithuania for the remainder of the season, unless my agent decides to come to me with something much better, which I hope he does. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously, you, you've been in Lithuania before. You played there before, have you not? Yeah, that was where I was at last season. Um, I had a really good year, uh, you know, really good half of the season last year. That's why I was able to uh, sign another contract um, and get a bigger team to buy me out last season. Um, so that was kind of the thought process this year is uh, after getting cut from my team in Greece, I didn't have great numbers. Um, my coach, for some reason, didn't really like me, um, even though he was the one who signed me. And, you know, it's just it's a very interesting situation that happened uh, there. So it was kind of more a financial decision. Um, they were trying to bring in other players, and I, uh, my contract was too big for them um, to add more players, so they decided to cut me instead of another guy. 
And so what happened was, is I was waiting for a couple of other offers and um, this one just kind of came up and um, I didn't really want to take it, but it was one of the only offers because it's kind of the middle of the season and not as many jobs are available. And I knew that if I came back to the, you know, came back to Lithuania, I had had some success here. I knew the league, kind of knew the lifestyle I was going to be walking into. So it was somewhat of a familiar situation, which is um, always kind of nice, especially if you uh, are trying to get your get your career or your you know your season back on back on track to to make sure you can make uh, make a good jump for next season. Do you ever get tired of the uh all over the place and being so far away from home and you know I, I I'm sure you enjoy viewing and, and visiting new places but does it ever get tiring at times for you? Oh, it definitely does. Um it's uh, it's pretty exhausting to be honest with you. Um you know there there's good parts and bad parts of my job. The good part is I play basketball and get to exercise for a living and, and travel the world. The bad part is um, my body hurts a lot. And although I am traveling the world, I'm kind of stuck in these parts of the world and I don't always get to control my destination. So yeah. it is a, it is a big challenge to be honest with you. Um, you know, it's one of those things that there's a reason guys, uh, you know, either can or can't play overseas for a number of years. Um, you know, not everybody's built for this kind of lifestyle. Uh, luckily, or not luckily, it's just kind of a ha- circumstances. I'm a single man, um, and you know, I don't really have to th- think about anybody else's feelings when I take jobs. I just kind of, okay, you're going to pay me to play basketball. Sounds good. I'll end up there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it does get a little bit exhausting sometimes, especially when you got to, you know, learn new cities, learn new countries, learn new cultures. Uh, you know, the team dynamic is always really interesting when you change teams in the middle of the season. You got to deal with, you know, a new boss or a couple of new bosses, you know, because you deal with strength coaches and everything like that. So it's uh, it has its ups and downs. Um, and it's definitely, you know, these last couple of seasons, probably these last three have been a little bit more challenging um, just in terms of lifestyle where I've lived. Um, you know, cities have been pretty small where I'm currently living is about a town of 4000 people in kind of the middle of nowhere, Lithuania. So it's a. Uh, it's been a little bit of a challenge, uh, especially coming from a, a very nice island in the middle of the Mediterranean, which uh, I enjoyed living on very much. Yeah. All right. Uh, talking again with Mike Bruzewitz here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. Let's get into Wisconsin a little bit. And I've talked to the other guys already, uh, you know, about the game against Illinois and that type of stuff. I kind of want to ask you about a guy I have not talked to them about, and that was Tyler Wall. He's obviously from Minnesota, just like you. What have you been impressed about a true freshman coming in outside of his <laughs> – behind the back pass uh, that that got intercepted against <laughs> Illinois I, I, that was a very Sam, uh, that was a very Sam Deckerish uh, behind the back pass that would have gotten him benched with a former coach but either way behind be, beside that everything else that he's brought to the game uh, you know when you watch Tyler it's funny you brought up Sam Decker he he's kind of uh, I would say I wouldn't say Decker 2.0 I would say Decker 0.05 <laughs> You know, he's, he's not quite as athletic or, you know, as skilled as Sam was at this point in his career. Um, but, you know, you see what he does. He has a really great feel for the game. Um, he has a really nice motor. And, and just physically, um, you know, he's long and athletic. And he, he has good ball skills. And he's just always around the basketball. And, and I really like that. And I like how aggressive he is, um, especially for a freshman. You know, it doesn't seem like he's too phased by these big arenas or, you know, playing in the Big Ten. You know, I think he's – you know, really shown the ability to, to just be comfortable out there and understanding his role, which is, you know, make plays, be around the ball, hustle stuff, um, you know, score when he's asked to a little bit. But, you know, in terms of what he does, I, I think he has a really bright future as a Badger, just just based off of, um, you know, his overall feel for the game, especially for a young guy like him. 
Um, you don't always see that with freshmen coming in and, and you know having that type of feel. A guy he played with in high school, Nate Reavers, has had his great nights and his not so great nights. Has he taken the step a big step from last year in your mind? Have you seen him take a big step now with Ethan not there now being the guy down low? Um, yeah, I think I think you have. You know, it's just we've we've been accustomed to seeing. You know, let's 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 run back the last four big guys that have really ran through Wisconsin. You know, even going back to my years is is you know you had Frank Kaminsky before that you had Jared Bergeron before that you had John Luer then you had Ethan Happ come right after Frank Kaminsky and now you got you know Nate Reavers and and I think Nate's doing a great job um, and especially earlier in the season it was a little difficult because um, you know the addition of Micah Potter has really changed this team and Nate was really the only true center that they had or the other guy that could really you know you know, set ball screens and bang down low. And the fact that they have, you know, Micah Potter coming back is, has really helped him. But, you know, I, I like the overall growth of his game. It, it's not quite as big of a jump as we have maybe seen from some guys such as Ethan Happ or, you know, Frank Kaminsky and guys like that. But he's definitely made a jump. You know, he's improved his body. He he looks more like a junior, um, you know. You know, even though in, against the Illinois, you know, Illinois' front line was – was pretty big. I was. Yeah. I, I haven't watched any of Illinois, and I was surprised at how kind of meaty their two bigs got, bigs were. They were really athletic, and you know, despite the, that, he he did his, he did okay. Yeah, it's a it's a tough, obviously, thing for him to do. Still, I think probably learning to play with his back behind to the basket has didn't do that a ton. has hasn't been asked to do that a ton here at Wisconsin because of Ethan Happ. But uh, he continues to be uh, he continues to make strides. It seems like, and the team does as well. And they're they're nine and six. Obviously, they probably should be ten and five after uh, that uh, late loss against Illinois. But they. 4-1 since Michael Potter came back. Now they go on the road and take on Penn State on Saturday. Uh, Mike, thank you very much. Uh, we'll, we'll catch up uh, next week. And All right, sounds good. And that is going to do it for this week's Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. We will return next week after the Badgers take on Penn State and then host Maryland. We'll see what if they can bounce back and uh, get back on track after that loss to Illinois. Until then, you've been listening to the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable.